Welcome to The Accurate Perspective, a podcast on local politics in Yakima. We take politics to a whole new level. Factual reporting, sources you can trust, and best of all, no BS. Unlike other news organizations, we won't mislead you or manipulate the news to our advantage. It's facts first, and the truth shall set you free. Join our hosts, Matt Brown, Lindsay Wehrmeyer, and Dave Mullen, as we do what we do best, and that's dunk on all our competitors. Well, guys, welcome to Accurate Perspective, the next episode, which is episode 13. I can't believe we've made it to episode 13. I almost forgot what episode it was, though, guys. I want you to realize that once we get up past the you know double digits, I'm going to have a hard time there. Um, but uh, today we've got congressional candidate uh, for the 4th District, Doug White. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Matt, uh, glad to be here, Dave, Lindsay. Thank you. Yeah. So, Doug, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running and uh, what do you have planned? Yeah. Well, Matt, you left out the Democrat part. So, one, I, oh. I am the Democrat <laughs> running for Congressional District 4. And again, thank you for having me on here. You know, I, I'm a fourth generation farming family here and I grew up in a union household. My dad, he retired from Hanford as a union pipe fitter. My background you know, I, I grew up on a farm pulling sprinkler lines and, you know, wrestling cattle and bucking hay and picking fruit and all that. But I went a different routes. I became international. I went into international business. I became a global project manager. So I did really large multinational implementation projects. And, you know, I think I learned a few things kind of being traveling a lot overseas. And I learned the importance of the United States' role in global politics. And more importantly, the United States' role in leading this world. I mean, maintaining that leadership role is critically important to us. I also learned to work with people of very different backgrounds and, I mean, very different agendas. And so I was always able to pull people together on common ground. And I think those are skills that we need to take to Congress in order to stop this gridlock. I mean, the purpose of Congress is to get work done for our country so it can move forward. I don't see that happening right now. Yeah, absolutely. It seems to be a kind of a it's either who, he who is in control has the the highway, <laughs> so to speak. And, and then sometimes even the highway is not even moving. It's in a gridlock still. So um, absolutely. Well, we do have some questions for you. Um, as with all of our, our guests on here, we, we, we like to poke and prod and ask the, ask the questions. And uh, Dave, I'm going to let you go first. <clears throat> Doug, thanks for coming on. Um, so over 900 days ago, Governor Inslee started his COVID state of emergency. Recently, I think it was yesterday, he announced he's ending his emergency powers on Halloween. Coincidentally, it's very close to elections. A state of emergency is supposed to be a mechanism to give the governor broad powers for a very short period of time. Ultimately, decisions leading to how people live their lives or run their businesses were made behind closed doors by one man for 900 days without any say from our elected representatives. Multiple times, Republicans call for a special session whether it was through different mechanisms like a media interview, letters to their counterparts on, on the other side of the aisle. Um, they had no luck in calling a special session to end the state of emergency early. Do you think Governor Inslee held on too long to this state of emergency? And do you think that Governor Inslee should have had as much unchecked power for as long as he did? 
Wow. Uh, <laughs> those were a lot of words. <laughs> Good thing I took notes. <laughs> you know, uh, funnily enough, I was having a conversation with somebody about this for lunch, at lunch today. So, you know, it's a, it's a hot topic. You know, everybody's excited about October 31 rolling around. First, uh, you know, I, I want to qualify this the, the same way I qualified my conversation this afternoon. And pandemic. I, I mean, that's extraordinary. I mean, nobody's ever done this before. I mean, everybody was doing uh, doing this for the first time and trying to figure it out. And, and, you know, I was actually dumbfounded about one year in. I looked around and I realized that about 60% of the people no longer went to work. They worked from home. And every single kid no longer went to school, went to school from home. And I thought, you know, the world's still turning. We're still doing it. You know, and that wasn't the government. That was us. It was amazing. So, you know, just kudos for us being able to take on something that hopefully will never happen again. It's just unparalleled in, in my lifetime. So, uh, but to be pointed about your question, uh, yeah, definitely shouldn't have happened. It went on way too long. I don't believe in closed door meetings. I definitely do not. Um, I'm not going to go so far to say as it was abuse of his power, because like I said, I you know, I don't know enough about that. And I definitely know this was uncharted territory for a lot of people. And we were to believe that the, you know, the lives of everybody in this country and possibly the world were at stake for a point. That's pretty scary stuff. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't like closed door meetings. I don't like, you know, special powers to be able to come down. And, you know, I'll push this even a little bit further. You know, bless the CDC, they've gotten us out of a lot of sticks, but, you know, they're the ones that are supposed to be navigating these things for us in order to be able to give confidence to this country so we know what to do. You know, we have a belief, and they did not do the job they were supposed to do. You know, they left too much of, uh, of it up to us guessing what was the next step, you know. I think we all would have been a lot better off if we had, you know, somebody or something up there giving us a lot clear, clearer guidance on, on what this was all about and what we could expect. I think a lot of people probably would have been eh, hard to stay comfortable because it was a pandemic, but you know, we probably would have done it better. A lot better data would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Man, it was up and down, up and down. Gosh, they changed everything all the time. Go out, stay home, go out, stay home. You know, ride a plane, <laughs> don't ride a plane. Yeah, I think I disagree with just one part of your answer, which is fine, right? Your characterization that staying home was our choice. I think that my kids staying home was not my choice from school. I think that was the government's choice. Um, but besides that, Doug, I think very fair answer from you. Um, well, if, if we get to correct each other, I really don't think I said, I said all the kids stayed home. So, you know, I, I didn't put any blame on anybody. I just thought it was incredible that we were able to keep this country and this globe going, you know? I mean, they yeah. upended our life in ways that I, just, I couldn't even have figured out. You know, if I was to make a movie script, I wouldn't have figured this. So, you know. Yeah. And we're right. still seeing those effects today. Um, I'll hand it over to you for the, for yeah. the next Dave, Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to respond to that. So speaking of schools, Doug, um, during one of the uh, debates you had for the primary, you know, something we ask everyone who comes on the show and something that was asked at that uh, debate was who's the primary stakeholder in our children's education? You know, as, as a mom, that's very important to me. Um, you know, all the Republicans were like parents, 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 but you kind of skirted around the question. So I was wondering if you can set that straight for us, who is the primary stakeholder in your opinion? Is it parents? If not parents, who? No, it's the students. 
Yeah, I believe it's the students. I mean, that's what we do it for, right? They're the, they're the ones we should be looking at. So regardless of what conversations we have, I think the, the, the outcome of making sure that our students, our kids, become the best citizens they possibly can in order to be able to live their best life and be most effective in running this country, I think that's it, you know? And, you know, you have to look no further than yourself to understand the, how, why we should be motivated to do that because they're gonna be making our decisions when we're older. They're going to be taking care of us. They're going to be running this country. So, I mean, we want them to, to be the best that they can possibly be. So, you know, and second to that, then it's parents. All right. Put the kids first. Seriously. I said, you know, they're going to be running this country someday. Hey, Doug, are, do you, are you a parent? I am not. I don't have kids. Gotcha. I, I, I am a very proud uncle on many occasions, but <laughs> no, I, I have no kids myself. You're the so I, I know me answering the questions is a bit dubious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think about my eleven-year-old uh, making choices um, for her education. It would probably be to stay home and eat ice cream all day. So, you know, their parents. Okay. I could yeah. see that being debatable, but thank you for answering that question. Well, Lindsay, if if I can still have kind of just so we can make this a, a dialogue, make sure we sure can, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know it's the parents that have to make the decision clearly because we're not going to leave the decisions right. to the kids. I just believe right. the kids have the most at stake on the decision with the decisions that we make. That's all I'm saying. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thanks for that clarity, man. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. I got the next one and uh, you, you know me, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask it. And so we're going to do it. <laughs> you wouldn't have a show if you weren't going to ask it. So. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's where it is. So, um, here we go. So recently, uh, MAGA Republicans have uh, been labeled as fascists and extremists by our, our president. <clears throat> uh, 49% of the congressional fourth who voted in the primary, uh, in my opinion, would fall under this category because they didn't vote for Dan and they didn't vote for you and they voted for all the MAGA candidates. Um, how do you plan to reach them to win this election? And do you agree with that label? Um, no, I don't agree with that label. Um, I believe like, uh, like all factions in this country, we've got, you know, we've got a little bit of every flavor going on. Right. But to brand an entire group of people that I think that's problematic. It really is. Um, how I'm going to reach those people. Well, you know, I, I'm doing pretty good. You invite me on your show. So thank you for that. Right. <laughs> you know, so every time I get up in front of people, every time I have a conversation with people, every time I get to really speak to people in a way that where I get to have a conversation and they get to say things and I get to say things and we both listen, we find that we're not too far apart. We really aren't. We all want the same things. We sometimes have a different idea about how we're going to get there. But, you know, I, seriously, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of that old saying. Everybody says everybody wants the same thing. It really is true. It, I mean, it just fundamentally is at some point, everybody wants the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like Republican, I mean, what's happening with this MAGA piece gets me a little chapped a little bit because I'm like, it stands for making America great. I mean, that's where it's about. And what what is an interesting piece of that is who doesn't want this country to be great? 
I mean, I feel like everyone that lives here wants this to be a safe place for families, wants you to be able to make a, a, a great living and be able to support your, your household, you know, be able to do all those things and not be in poverty, not, you know, well, that's, that's, a, that's America. I mean, that's, we should be proud to try to put that into our own country. So I do appreciate that, uh, that answer because I think, you know, it, it, it can cause, um, I mean, it, it causes division on the Republican side. Let me just tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you know, I, I shared a stage, you know, with a lot of Republicans for a lot of times. And you, you know that. So, you know, we got to yeah. get up and we got to start talking to each other. I do want to do one little clarification. You said MAGA stands for Make America Great. It actually stands for Make, make America Great Again. And I think America's always been great. So we don't make, need to make it great again. We just need to continue what we're doing. We need to make sure that it always remains the leader of this free world. Absolutely. Thanks for clarifying that. All right, Dave, you're up next, man. All right, Doug, get your notepad out and your, your pen. Here comes a bunch more words. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, we all know crime is rampant across this country. It's undeniable. Statistics show it. Um, the news shows it. In the last week, I'll just pick one city, Memphis. We saw a mother get abducted and murdered by a man uh, recently released from prison for kidnapping. Um, there's a list a mile long of individuals released early from prison, and they're reoffending with more violent crimes. I'm not saying everyone is doing it. I'm saying that it's happening, and it's becoming an issue. Washington State is not immune from this. There's been individuals released from prison, and they've reoffended in very, very horrible ways. Um, this year, the city of Yakima, in just crime-related news, is on pace to have more sexual assaults, stolen cars, and homicides than last year. Right now, I believe we have four homicides already this year. Um, last year, there was four for the entire year. Besides violent crime, we have a drug problem, which relates to a crime problem. Um, specifically, we have a fentanyl problem. Fentanyl smuggled in from foreign countries to our community here in the Yakima Valley. It's affecting... Um, whether it's people we know or, you know, two degrees separated from us, most of us know somebody who has been affected by this opioid epidemic. So my question to you, Doug, is um, what are your plans to help minimize not only the crime issue, but the drug issue? And I, you know, we can go down a rabbit hole about how do you help um, drug addicts. I'm a big proponent of mental health um, solutions, but I really want to focus on the crime aspect of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you touched on mental health. First, I, first I want to say that, that the number one crime that we've got, the most frequent crime that we've got in all of this district, probably the nation, is domestic violence. It's the number one cause of injury to women. So right off the top, that's a problem. Another thing is, as I go up and down this district and I talk to city councils and, and community leaders, the number one request is more mental health services. That's yes. the number one, right off the bat, right there. Yeah. With regard to the drug problem, I think a lot of the drugs are coming across the, the Mexican border right now. So, you know, our border patrol agents, they are overworked. They really are the ones that are protecting this country right now. And we need to be very grateful for them. And we need to be able to give them the supplies and the performance and the more people and the training and whatever they need in order to be able to keep us safe. Uh, what we need to do is a better job up here is making sure that we tackle the dealers and the problems with drug abuse and sell sales right now. And that's, man, that's just such a complicated problem because it starts when kids are young and you have bad homes and maybe no opportunities and then things go sideways and there's no support or no 
adult giving, you know, good mentoring, things like that to them and stuff. And, you know, once you reach a certain point, there's only one where to go and that's, that's jail. Right. And right now it costs us for the services that we spend on a kid. Don't hold me exactly to this, but we spend about a thousand dollars a year on services, peripheral services on a kids like mental health, family interventions, various things like that is, you know, and that may sound like a lot of money, but it costs us $43,000 a year to house an inmate. Okay. So I'm a businessman. I wanted to know where my money was going to go. I'd be spending a thousand rather than 43,000. Okay. I'd be doing that. And I also want to just say the Yakima police department, I've had an opportunity to be able to spend a lot of time with them and work with them and do a number of different things. And, you know, that has got to be one of the most first rate police departments I have ever had a pleasure to see and be part of um, the work that they do on a budget. That's far less than what they should is incredible. Their outreach into the community to make sure that people know that they are there is amazing. It is really amazing. And they go over and above. They somehow manage to stretch a budget that's already stretched thin and give their time to making sure that they provide information about kids at risk and potential victims at risk too. So, you know, some of our senior citizens in bad neighborhoods and stuff like that, so that they can provide wraparound services. Other organizations can provide wraparound services. You know, I, I don't have an answer, but what I know is we've got people in the community already doing a great job and we just need to let them do their job. We need to give them the resources they, they need to get it done. We really do. Well, Doug, we definitely need more beds in the community. Um, I yeah. think, you know, if you're successful in your campaign, that would be one way to positively impact that. Um, I know that kind of firsthand with some previous employment experience I've had um, that people, they just don't have beds. They don't have access to the services. One of the things you mentioned, though, was the border. I wanted to touch on that, maybe flush out your opinion on that more. You talked about the border patrol and giving them the training they need. Um, I think they need some more support from the administration. The whole horse whipping incident went the wrong way and there was no accountability for that from the punishment that was almost handed down. But besides that, Doug, I'll just be upfront. Are you in support of closing the border? Do you agree with the current um, policies we have at the border? I absolutely don't agree with the current policies we have at the border. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about closing the border, but what I do know is we need to have Congress start enacting laws about immigration that makes sense for us up here and the people coming across, which they don't right now. It is confusing. It is complicated. And if I had to work the work the border right now, trying to make sense and make decisions about what was going through and what wasn't going through, I, I, I wouldn't know what to do either. I really wouldn't. So we need to make sure that we've got common sense legislation as to what immigration is and how it should work. Then we provide the education to the people that need to enforce it, some latitude in how they can enforce it because of the fact they're living in a real world. They're not living in a black and white written down on a piece of paper world kind of thing. And then, you know, I think the border needs to be, I don't think that there should be any leaks in the border. If that means closing it, then I probably am saying closing it, but I just believe that we, we should have places where people can go through and are able to be treated in a way that's appropriate for what they're trying to get done. That's kind of it. And people knowing how to respond to it, you know, make it, make it fair and reasonable for, for both people. Yeah. My, my fear 
has been with the border. I mean, much like what we saw back in 9-11, where we had folks that, you know, came over, flew airplanes, blew up our trade center, did a whole bunch of damage, horrible time in our country's uh, history. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was just reading an article yesterday that was saying <laughs> we, we might have over 2 million people that have crossed the border by the end of this year. And a lot of them, we don't even know who they are. And, and I'm like, red flags, 2001, like all of those things start popping up in my head going, hello, we, we've got to do something here. And I agree. I think common sense. Uh, I mean, I, I have a friend who actually his wife uh, is technically a refugee here, um, but she, you know, they obviously are married and all that. But just for her to become a citizen is like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars and three or four years worth of uh, process, and she's here. Her kids are citizens. Her husband's a citizen, and so you know it's kind of this weird dynamic where I'm like, man, she, her, their family can't afford fifteen thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, you know, and so she's here, but it's just a weird. So I, I agree. I think there needs to be some common sense, which we have seemed to have lacked a lot of common sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It went out the window at some point. I don't know. We need to reel sure. it back in. That's for sure. Lindsay, I think you got the next question. Alrighty. So uh, this is a question from a friend. So I thought I would ask you, uh, what happened to the liberals from 15 years ago? Why have they gone so far left on almost all issues to the point of their beliefs being the opposite of what they used to be? And would you agree the liberals have gone much more left? I don't, I'm not sure where they were 15 years ago that they're now at, at an opposite. Are you talking about, um, can, can you give me some examples? Um, otherwise, well, I'm going to tell you, like, I, I really don't know that many extreme liberals. I live in, I live in central Washington. So they're kind okay. of- Okay, well, for, for example, um, like uh, abortion used to be safe, legal, and rare to yeah. the point now it's through nine months, widely supported, California maybe 28 days post-birth. I mean, we've gotten- really left on on almost every issue it seems like that, well, that's an example i mean the party of science now can't define a woman i mean there's just multiple things where we've kind of gone so far left that it's hard to tell boy, I, what they I even stand for i can't imagine 28 days post birth okay um i'm sorry yeah, that's, that was that's, in that's, california that's they were a, talking that's about a shock that to me i don't know anything yeah. about that you know, I, I I can't answer those questions. Um, they're not me. I, I, I don't speak for those people. You know, I, I speak, they're individuals. If they're Democrats, that's great. They're Democrats and stuff like that. That's okay. You know, um, like the Republicans, we try and make the tent big enough, but you know, there's always gonna be some people, there's always a different flavor of everything going on, stuff like that. Um, those aren't those aren't my beliefs, okay? okay. Um, so I, I really can't, can't I, I just can't speak to it. it doesn't make sense to me so you wouldn't call yourself like far very progressive is that just not something you would consider yourself do you consider yourself more moderate i consider myself um a thoughtful person and a business person so usually when somebody asks me a question and somebody calls me a liberal i take them down and i show them the math as to why it works better this way that's kind of yeah. the thing i did kind of like what i was talking about the kid Better, I'd rather spend a thousand than forty-three, kind of mm-hmm. thing. 
Um, and you usually, and personally, I find, you know, the math usually works out to being what I think to be morally correct too. So, but physically responsible. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I think I got the next one. Um, so Doug, what in your opinion is the biggest threat facing the congressional fourth and what solutions do you propose? Uh, apathy and neglect, I think are the biggest problems facing the fourth. Uh, we have not had a representative in this district for as long as I know that has ever had a plan for the future of this district. They have just kind of just status quo and every once in a while drug us back because they thought we were moving too fast or in the wrong direction as a consequence. We used to do great things here. I mean, great things. I mean, we built dams and reservoirs in the mountains. You know, we built Hanford. We ended a world war. We've done amazing things here. And now... Now, the only industry that's coming in here is low-end minimum wage job manufacturing things. All the high-paying jobs have left the, left the district, you know, and there's, there was no reason for it. There is no reason for it, you know. Matt, Matt you're from Yakima, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been here for about 17 years now, so originally uh, maybe, from Phoenix. I, I don't know if you remember this, but... Yakima used to have two thriving malls. I mean, thriving malls and a vibrant downtown area, right? Nice. We used to do good. What do we got now? Barely we, one. Barely <laughs> one. We, we've got Union Gap with some of the lowest end stores that you could possibly imagine. And I went by Sears the other day and they had one of those big signs up in their windows. We are open just to remind people <laughs> to, to come in. You know, I mean, what direction? I mean, we're going the wrong direction and there was no reason for it because we still have all the things we used to have. We still have really incredible people that work hard, don't want to hand out. They just want to do a good job. We've still got our, our natural resources. We've got our ag business, which is extraordinary. We have our cheap electricity. We've got so much going for us. There was absolutely no reason for us to be in this situation right now. Yeah. Well, and that leads me to a piece, too, is like you, you mentioned our dams. Um, dams have always been a, a, a hotly thing, you know, on both sides of the aisle. It's like one side's like, breach all the dams, save all the fish. Then the other side's like, no, we got to have power. And then it kind of flip-flopped like 20 years ago. And then it was keep all the dams, breach all the dams. Yeah, like both sides kind of flip-flop back and forth. So it's kind of a funny thing. But um, I, so the recent study that I just saw was 60, 62, 64% of the state's uh, power grid actually comes from hydropower. And, and so what's your thoughts on our dams? Like, how do we how do we keep them? Or if we don't keep them, what is what is that solution? Right. Well, the only the only dams that I'm aware of that are are really under debate right now. I mean, seriously under debate are the Snake River dams. I, I don't know anybody that wants to pull Grand Coulee down. I mean, that's I, I don't know that. So the, right. the Snake River dams I can talk about because I do know that people um, there's a lot of contention around whether they stay up or they come down. You know, and that battle's been going on for 70 years or more. That's how long it's been going on. Right. You know, so when people ask me this question, you know, I, I say this is probably, you know, one of the gr most glaring examples of, of Dan Newhouse's incompetence in this role that he's got. And that is the fact that we need somebody to be able to see the future and start moving us towards that. Because one thing I do know is those dams will not come down in my tenure in Congress and probably won't even come down in my lifetime. And that is because of the fact you got legal and you got everything else. So I can't do anything about that. There's nothing I can do. 
in my lifetime to be able to fix that. What I can do is start preparing us for the future. And like you said, it's about energy. It's about transportation, make, our, make sure our crops go on. It's about increasing our salmon runs. And it's also about water and so many other things. Now I can start working on those. I can start building those projects. I can start bringing more jobs into this district, better paying jobs in order to grow us. I can do that. So in 30 years when the dams maybe come down, we're actually prepared for the dams to come down because we're in a better situation. What I do know is if I took Dan's position right now and I said the dams are never going to come down and that's all I had to say, where are we going to be in 30 years? No new jobs, no new industry, no new growth, right? We're just going to have 30-year dams that are 30 years older than they are today. What does that get us? Right. What What's an option? Like, are you, are you thinking nuclear? Are you thinking... Um, I mean, solar has been kind of hit and miss. Um, wind has been kind of hit and miss. Uh, so, what what is what is uh, an option that you're thinking about? If if you're thinking towards the future, what is that option? You know, while our technology is changing so fast, it's hard to see too far into the future. So, working with what we've got right now, I like nuclear, right? Small modular reactors, very very promising. I still like solar, and I still like wind is provided we have energy storage systems. And right now they're about ready to break ground on a $2 billion energy storage system in Goldendale. I think that is absolutely fantastic. Is it gonna be the cure all for everything? It absolutely is not. But can you imagine what kind of prosperity $2 billion is gonna to bring to this district and how it's gonna help us balance that load to attract new industry because they know they can have confidence that they will have continued low cost energy, which is gonna build more jobs. Those are the right. things that excite me. Well, and it's energy is kind of a crazy thing right now, too, because we've got California that's shutting off people's power today, uh, Oregon doing the same thing. And then Colorado actually was shutting or turning people's thermostats up um, and locking them so they couldn't actually turn them down in the last couple of weeks because it was too hot, which I was like, what? You're controlling my thermostat? Um, but uh, so I appreciate the, you know, being able to look forward on energy because I, I do think I've always been like, why not nuclear? I've been like, yeah. what? it's, you know, I mean, it's been one of the, we're not having a, um, you know, the United States has never had a catastrophe of nuclear energy inside of our, in, in, in you know, our contingent 48 states, even 50 states. Um, so, you know, I'm like, we, we have to stop being afraid of something that is very clean energy. And we are at a great advantage right now because we've got the science and the history to do it. And even better than that, we've got Energy Northwest right now that is working really hard to make sure that Washington State is the first placement of a small modular reactor. And I think that is fantastic. We are again going to lead the nation. We've been leading the nation for decades. We're going to continue to lead the nation. How big are those small modular reactors? I think they're bigger than a bread box. <laughs> i mean i'm going modular what is that size it, it, it is modular you know i don't know the exact size but when people start talking about them um i get the impression they're talking about something that's about a house oh interesting yeah wow all right uh dave are you have the next question sure um big topic of conversation locally when i talk to some friends doug is just the correlation between billions of dollars in foreign aid going to Ukraine, you know, alongside the fact that inflation is rising, has risen, and our paychecks are, are getting smaller. 
Um, with that, do you support the continued assistance to Ukraine? And let me just add some context to this, maybe as to also why it's kind of a passion of mine. I, I was in the military, I still have friends in the military, and I see the living conditions they're in. They're terrible. I, I'm talking about where you should have good living conditions. They have rampant mold in base housing. Here in Yakima, the training center has contaminated water that's being given to people's homes and has been for years. So, you know, people are frustrated with the, the correlation between the money being sent overseas, inflation rising, and the fact that we're not taking care of our military members, not only active duty, but we all know we're not really taking care of them mentally either. So question is, do you support this financial assistance? Um, have you supported it? Will you continue support? And then what can we do for our military members? Do you support a bigger uh, defense budget to help these folks? Let me start with telling you a story. I, I told you I traveled a bit. So I was yeah. in Hong Kong in August of 2020. And that's when the communists came in and occupied the city. I was there. I was on the ground. And I watched people get pulled away in handcuffs. Some came back, some didn't. It was the most ter terrifying thing that I've ever seen. I watched people go from being free, like us, to literally being property. I mean, property, with no agency in an instant. Yep. And you don't think that doesn't shake you up a bit. So when you start asking me about whether or not we should support Ukraine because of the fact that they were invaded by Russia, you know, my perspective, that's a little fresh in my mind, that whole thing about China coming in and just wiping out the, the freedoms of people. It's a little fresh in my mind, okay? So I, I got to say that I'm kind of going with it right now, okay? It really is. I, I tend to that direction. Now, with regard to the military, you know, I, there's, there's something kind of disconnected in the way we manage money and our military and the veterans that I don't understand. There's a lot of math that goes on in the government that I'm just trying to figure out. Um, it doesn't always make sense to me. It doesn't always add up. We can agree because, on that. Yeah, we, we spend pushing a trillion dollars, like $800 billion a year on our military. That's a lot of money. In fact, if you take all first world countries on in the world and you add up their defense budgets, our, ours is more than that by probably about 40%. It's extraordinary how much we spend. And it's okay, you know, because you heard me at the very beginning. We stay the leader of the free world we, at any cost. That's what we do. But something happens to our veterans. All of a sudden that $800 billion we spend in order to defend our country, when people get discharged, when people come become veterans, it becomes completely different. You know, between from 9-11 to about today, more or less, we've lost a little over 7,000 service personnel uh, in country. You know, and that's a tragedy. That is huge. But we've lost over 30,000 of them ho at home where they took their own lives just because of the fact that they couldn't adjust. Hmm. And we've got no services for them, a lack of services. If we're spending $800 billion defending this country, we need to find money to take care of the people at home. 30,000, four times more people have taken their lives by their own hands of what we lost in country. I, I mean, I don't even, I can't, I can't get my head around it. It's not acceptable, just wrong. So I've been personally affected by the suicide epidemic with some friends who have taken their lives. And I would agree that we we have a lack of service. But I would also say we have wrong services, too. Um, 
I think you were kind of alluding to it. We do spend a lot of money. Where is that money going? And it can be better allocated. Um, and, you know, from a veteran's perspective and talking to friends, it's more holistic approaches is what we need. We talked about mental health, you know, more beds for people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and it, it all ties together. It's crazy. You know, the opioid epidemic with veterans, there is an opioid epidemic with veterans because the VA likes to just mal out opioids. Um, all of this is to say, Doug, I'm so glad that you've recognized that problem. Um, and, and I can tell that you will work on that issue for sure if you make it to Congress. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, my brother retired from the from the Navy and he's fairly seriously disabled. And I I watch him struggle with getting services. It's, it's hard. And even even locally, um, you know, all the services aren't available. We have to travel to Walla Walla. When I was going through my disability things, I had to go to Tri-Cities multiple times, take time off of work. And I'm not saying, hey, it needs to be right next door. But Yakima has a huge contingent of veterans. And the people that retire out of the training center, the ones that I know, even though they're not from here, they stay here. It's like yeah. they love this valley. And so you know, we're, I think we're all on the same page. We need to support veterans a little more, um, what the services we offer. Yeah. I mean, I would chime in with that is my, my wife's, um, father is a veteran who's been struggling through, um, uh, different health things recently. And, and it has been a nightmare trying to navigate, um, <laughs> medical, uh, services for him. And, and I'm sitting there like, man, this wouldn't have been such a nightmare for him, I guess, if he was still actively serving, <laughs> yeah. um, but that he's not actively serving. It has been a, like a jump rope course and then <laughs> running backwards at the same time. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, and it's put a lot of stress on a lot of families, our family included, of trying to figure out how to navigate these things. So I, I, you know, I, I do appreciate that answer. Lindsay, do you have another question for Doug? Okay, this is from my mom. <laughs> she told me to ask you this, okay. Uh, MAGA Republican, you know, there many are very upset at Newhouse, right? Um, kind of for his voting to impeach Trump and he's supposed to be a conservative, all that. She wants to know how you feel about Trump having his house raided. From my mom. <laughs> Well, I probably, I think I know what she wants me to say. <laughs> you know, um, I have to believe in the process and I have to believe in the system. I really do. If I don't, it all falls apart. So you have better have a pretty good argument otherwise. All indications suggest that this warrant was executed by people that were in the right place, did the right time, did the thoughtful process and, and executed it correctly. And where I take no joy in this because, you know, he's the president of the United States and we never want to see this ever happening. I think it's demoralizing for the entire country and it paints us in a very ugly light in the nation. Nobody's above the law. So if he's innocent, he, he will be innocent. And we will move on. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Um, all right, Doug. So I, I pretty much hammered uh, Dan Newhouse last last episode, and I hammered him on the fact that uh, 
you know, I felt like as Republicans, Republicans have this thing where they they're now talking about holding your nose and voting Dan Newhouse, and 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 I and I can't. I personally cannot hold my nose because I still see him. <laughs> it's not about holding. I, I don't. I'm not worried about smelling him. I'm just worried about seeing him. Um, is my problem. Uh, you know, and, and I brought up the idea of actually having a write-in campaign for congressional fourth. Uh, and that was, you know, highly debated and it got nowhere. So I was like, all right, I'm going to let it die. Whatever. It's not a big deal. Moving on. But the question still remains is looking at there's 49% of that district that you're fighting for, uh, to beat Dan that I'm going, are you that option for them? And why are you that option? Um, and we kind of touched a little bit on some other areas, but you know, you're, if you could talk to them directly, because a lot of them are watching this. <laughs> a lot of them are listening and watching this. Um, how, what would you say? Well, I appreciate you having me on here because, I mean, this is the discussion, you know. And, and Matt, you've heard me speak a couple times and so forth. I'm pretty consistent. I, I really am. So I'm hoping people that are listening um, are paying, you know, are paying attention and they reach out to me if they have any questions, want to challenge me on anything, see if I trip up, whatever it happens to be, go ahead. You can just, you can do it. Um, This is who I am, you know, and I believe that I am the first person in a very long time that's actually focused on this district and the people that live in it. And that's my only motivation. Get this economy going, making sure that we all have a better life. And that is it. Play it by the numbers kitchen table politics. So, you know, I hope I do win some of these over. Even if they are skeptics, they at least give me a chance. You know, I had a talk with um, uh, Doc Hastings a couple months back. And, you know, Doc gave me a great piece of advice. Well, I asked him a question. I said, you know, two years as a representative, how do you get any work done? And he said, you know, two years is about the right length of time, he says, because you're elected by the people and you're there to represent them. And you're the only representative they have, the only one they have, you know? And so they should be able to judge you about every two years. That's about the right length of time. That's what he said. I said, okay, made sense to me. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what you're going to get from me. Yeah. Well, you know, that's very true. Cause someone asked me, they said, Matt, would you ever run for CD4? And I said, no. Uh, And they said, why is that? I said, two years, man, that is a lot of stinking work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i was like you have one year where you can maybe get something done and then the next year you're campaigning all year so i'm like man those two-year jobs are a, a, a real i you know i commend anyone who like even our yeah. state representatives i got a two-year term i'm going you guys are you guys are champs for doing that because that is not easy work i'm i'm just in city council and i get a four-year thing and that's not easy work so you know <laughs> Well, when you talk about city council, I go around, you know, and I tell people, if you want to see politics in action, you go to a city council meeting because there are very few places in politics where the people can look their elected officials directly in the eye and tell you what they think. Pretty much every other place in politics, there's some kind of buffer set up. I mean, the city council is where, where politics happens. That is where it's real. And we get blamed for things that are not us. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, Matt, before we wrap up and before we get too far away from the topic with the 
suicide epidemic and because what I'm about to say crosses party lines and everybody can support it. For all the listeners out there, there's a new suicide hotline that just started maybe a month ago, a few weeks ago, 988. If you are having a mental health emergency, 988. For veterans out there, there is a very good charity with a very high rating where they're spending money on veterans and not just their salaries, and it's called Headstrong Project. It is free mental health resources, and they will connect you to a mental health resources. You will get the help you absolutely need, and the website is getheadstrong.org. Getheadstrong.org is for veterans with mental health issues. And last but not least, you don't want to call either one of those. I will comment um, when we post this out to Facebook. You can hit me up over Facebook. I will answer my cell phone any time of the night to help out somebody, veteran or not, going through a mental health emergency. You're on it, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other questions you guys have for Doug? No, I, I would just say that, you know, we talked a little bit before the show and I told Doug that he absolutely earned my respect. I said, I'm from Philly and we look for the fight in people, no matter where, where they come from or what they believe. And Doug, you know, maybe I'll get vilified for this. Doug is a fighter. He's showing up to a majority Republican podcast. He's been to the debates and he hasn't shied away from anything or shouldn't say debates, right? They're, they weren't debates. Um, but Doug has shown up and, you know. You get credit for that for sure, and you ha you have to get respect. People should recognize that. Yeah, I will say. I mean, that was one of the things when we did the uh, debate, the Republican Liberty Caucus did the debate for uh, CD four before the primary, <clears throat> and Doug showed up, and he showed up with uh, five, six other Republicans, five other Republicans in there, um, and. Thanks. Six was it six? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, and 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 at the end, I, I mean, when I came up to Doug, I was like, dude, I am just, I'm, I am sitting here going, I am impressed that you showed up, um, because uh, I'll tell you what, man, the Republicans are actually kind of hard to get to show up. So, you know, I haven't had that problem with Doug. So, <laughs> and that might get me some heat, but I'm just gonna yeah. tell you, the guy who worked behind the scenes on that one debate. Uh, there were some Republicans that were giving me a lot of crap trying to get them to show up, and I was getting a little tired of diva antics. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, look, man, you either show up or don't. I don't care. We're still doing it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's that's it. So, Doug, we're going to give you the last, you know, let's, I'm going to, I call it the Campbell Soup 30 seconds. If you can sell yourself, <laughs> you're not selling yourself, but if you can convince the voter at home uh, in 30 seconds uh, why uh, they need to vote for you, um, go for it, man. You know, it's, it's a couple of things. One, I, I challenge people because people, you know, they keep telling me that Dan Newhouse did a good job. So I asked him, I said, okay, well, name something that he did that was good for you. And I usually, they draw a blank. They really do. He's done a very good job of making himself look like he was doing okay, but actually he's done very little to nothing for this district and all the time that he's been in office when you start to actually do the tick boxes and so forth. The other thing I follow with, and I, I mean this sincerely, is I think it is unacceptable that the people who live here and work here cannot afford to buy the things that we make and we grow here. Got to change. Yeah. Well, thank you, Doug. We're going to take a little quick break and hear from our sponsor, uh, Center for Self-Governance. They have a new 
uh, video out now. I'm going to play that and uh, we'll be back and we're going to wrap up the show. We've got a couple. We actually have a new segment today in history today, a little little piece here. And uh, but we'll be right back. And Doug, we'll bless you on your way out, man. And good luck on your campaign. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been an honor to have you here. And if you guys have any questions for Doug, feel free to reach out to his campaign. And uh, he he answers emails quickly. So uh, unlike the other candidates, I will tell you, I can't get a hold of uh, Dan Newhouse. I don't know why, but I can't get a hold of him. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, here's a message from our sponsors. If you are uh, listening to this piece, you're not going to be able to know what the heck is going on. So, uh, sorry for the audio podcast, people. You're going to have to watch it. So, sorry about that. Well, if that doesn't get you riled up, I don't know what will. So, again, uh, I wanted to say thank you to Doug White for showing up. This is not an easy thing coming on this podcast. You know, and for the most part, I felt like he answered the questions the best he could. Some of them might have made him spin around in a circle. <laughs> but, you know, this is not easy uh, for any candidate to come on and have – he had zero clue of any questions we were going to ask him. So, I think that's We're not here throwing like softball questions up. I mean, you know, you can still have respect for a guy and still challenge him on the issues to find out where he's coming from and what his beliefs are. Um, you know, although we may not agree with him, like we said, he's he's earned some respect for sure. Yeah. Hey, Matt, I have a question for you. Yeah. So if Doug wins in 2022, does that mean that Dan cannot run in 2024? If if Dan wins, can he run again in 2024? Like, how does that work? Yeah, they can still run again. Um, if, okay. Yeah. So the only so there's a sore loser law, but it only applies in the fact that if you ran in the primary and you lost, right, that in the general election, you can't run as a write-in for the same piece. Some states don't have this law, and so what you'll see is a guy. You know, like let's let's take uh, Ron Paul for example, who ran for president um, in two, in '08 and '12. Uh, was you know he didn't win the republican nominee but he still ran uh, gosh clear up i think all the way through in both elections um <clears throat> in our state you you can't do that if you lose the primary you can't run as a write-in someone cannot write you in in the general it doesn't count i've heard a lot of people actually ask that because uh culp right a lot of people are like we're just gonna write in lauren culp and I'm going, well, that, that vote's not going to count for anything um, because even if he were to get it, he's not going to get it. There's a sore loser law. So, um, But other than that, though, like if Dan loses the general, right? So if he loses the general and Doug wins the general, Dan can definitely run again in 24 or 26 or 28. Um, that's not preventing him. And any of those other candidates that lost in the primary as well, they can rerun um, next out, you know, 
next time as well. Now, hopefully, if hopefully Republicans have learned their lesson, though, and not put, you know, 1,700 people in one race, sure. um, <laughs> you know, but I guess we're going to find out. Um, so does that answer your question? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I just didn't know if we could count on Dan never running again. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> no, no. Um, all right, guys, we have a new segment that's called Today in History, and it's just a quick little segment. I thought it was kind of fun um, because today is September 9th. Yesterday, September 8th, the Queen passed, um, which, you know, love or hate her, I don't know, but <laughs> she passed, uh, 96 years old. Um, but here is an interesting, I'm going to play this little video, and we're going to go into Today in History. A the eagle has landed all right guys um so today in history in 1776 september 9th all right today in 1776 our country renamed itself. <laughs> we went from being the United Colonies to the United States, um, which a lot of people didn't ever, I, a lot of people didn't realize that. Um, but we were never, we didn't start off being the United States. We were actually the United Colonies. We were from British uh, area. And so we were a colony of them. And now we are the United States. So it's a very interesting one, but 1776, is when uh, the Congress actually decided to change uh, the name of our country. And, and then it, I was reading a, a commentary on it and it actually said um, it was basically the Americans saying, uh, up yours, is what they were trying to say. We are a country, uh, not just a bunch of colonies and ragtag misfits. <laughs> um, so anyways, I thought that was really cool. And, you know... Uh, especially with all of the crazy stuff going on in the world that we can still remember that we are a United States, um, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes. Um, <laughs> right. Um, all right, guys, do you have anything for the good of the order? I just thought it was kind of refreshing that Doug is willing to have those kind of, you know, come on the show and that kind of gives me hope that maybe there's still people out there who are willing to reach across the aisle and work with, you know, people who are obviously politically opposite of them. So <laughs> yeah, I know. maybe there's hope. It's, it's hard. I mean, the, the reaching across the aisle, uh, you know, one of the things is like, everyone has to remember like so much now is everyone thinks that our political opponent is our enemy <laughs> and it's not our enemy. They're an opponent. They're, they're, in, in politics, we can have an opponent and still have conversation like we just had with Doug White, mm -hmm. right? Were there things I disagreed with Doug? Absolutely. I disagreed on things with Doug. Um, were there things I was like, hmm, that's not terrible. That's actually probably what Dan Newhouse thinks too on a lot of things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, again, though, if he's an enemy, I, I can't have that conversation, right? 
and an enemy divides us. Um, and that's where I have really tried with this show is to really not allow us to be that um, enemy, but more so we're the opponent, right? We're the Republican uh, side of the aisle and we're going to have uh, dialogue. We just had Doug White running for Congress and I can't get Dan Newhouse on here to save my life. So I'm like, that's that's an interesting perspective. And I know there's a lot of people at home that will be watching going, oh, my gosh, Matt's turning Democrat. Uh, the show's going crazy. And they would be right. He is. He's going to change his voting <laughs> registration next week. To a oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Send him emails about it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No. I don't know. Is it worse to have an honest Democrat or to have a Republican who lies and goes against you? I mean... That might be the, the question. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's that's the thing that leads me to my next piece is um, there is a lot of stuff coming up uh, in Yakima that I want to keep people informed on. In October, there's going to be actual Center for Self-Governance classes coming. Um, I don't have the dates nailed down yet, but by our next episode, I will have those dates for you guys so you can um, – register sign up they'll have block one and block two uh here in yakima which is huge uh the other piece is for all those folks that just won their pco seat right there's a lot of them uh, a ton of them <laughs> like a hundred of them um <laughs> there's going to be pco training and we're going to do it in november and it's going to be a big and because i want to going into next year I want folks to be trained and equipped and ready to rock and roll. Um, we can't make the excuse that we don't know anything anymore. Um, you, there are ample opportunities, whether you're listening to this podcast and learning things, <clears throat> learning things, or you're going to classes, there's no excuse to stay on the sideline anymore. You got to jump in. You got to go get some training. Um, and if you're not, I'm going, then you need to stop, stop. complaining <laughs> because uh, this is the time where you have to take and be active in our community and in our uh, country because we need you. This whole community uh, needs people involved. Um, <clears throat> you know, an old friend of mine used to say the, the <clears throat> about the silent majority, how they're silent and they don't do a whole lot. But when they come out and vote, uh, you know, they let their voice known. And I'm like, I hate that because the silent majority <laughs> – sometimes doesn't ever show up silent majority doesn't always show up and and to me that's just a lazy excuse for us as americans to say well i'm part of the silent majority no uh you, you need to be a part about making this community better and making this country better and if you're frustrated with how it's going well what have you done well go get some training figure out how to door knock figure out what's candidate we just had uh when was it? On Wednesday, we had a, a campaign, uh, like how to figure out which candidate you want to help and how to help them, how to volunteer for those candidates um, class, the Republican uh, Women's Club put on. And I got to speak at it. It was really cool. There was like 40 people and probably about, I don't know, 25, 30 of them, maybe 20 of them. I didn't know who they were. They're brand new folks coming in there learning how to be involved. And that's that is like exciting. <laughs> that's refreshing. Um, so, and that's why we did this show. That's why we're doing this show is to keep you guys informed and engaged. Um, so 
Our show sponsors are obviously Center for Self-Governance. That classes are the political training of the 21st century. Uh, But they also have a ton of other classes in regional government, school government, city government, constitution classes, uh, constitutions classes, so state constitution and the federal constitution. Um, They have a ton of different stuff going on. They are working right now to even broaden, hopefully in the next year, to actually have online classes for some of these things. Right now they have those kind of on Zoom, but looking to try to make this more streamlined. So um, a lot of awesome stuff going on with that sponsor, so go check them out. The other one is Mac Daddy Coffee Roasters. They are the place to go get some coffee. You'll typically see one of us down there uh, from time to time because it's it's right across the street from city hall so i'm there most of the time <laughs> stopping by and saying hello um and where can you find us at so this is the one thing that i've asked people how can we support you matt how can we support the show well you know guys i'm gonna be honest with you i keep i keep throwing this thing up here i'm gonna throw it up on the screen right now because we got we got it fancy <laughs> um You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash accurate perspective. Any amount helps, right? So if you're sitting there trying to figure out, well, what can I do? I can't go out and I can't doorbell and I can't do those things. And I can't help Matt with stories and I can't, that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. But maybe you got five bucks laying around (laughs) that you can throw in the pot so that we can go get those things done um, and get stuff rolling. We're really trying to bring you guys content that you uh, like, but also that's very informative. Um, I know that's been severely lacking in Yakima for a long time, especially those that are listening on uh, local politics. It's like it's, it's almost impossible to find what's going on. And so needless to say, if you want this to keep going, guys, we need your help. We need you to support the show. And because Dave... Dave and Lindsay and me, we don't get paid to do any of this stuff. So like we're, we're here valued our time to come in here and try to help you guys be more educated on everything going on in the world. And, and I'm not trying to get paid. I'm trying to get others paid so we can get this stuff going out bigger and better. Um, so I'm so dedicated. I'm sneaking this in right before date night with my wife. Exactly. Me too. Um, so anyway, support the show at patreon.com slash accurate perspective. And then this podcast will be dropping on all the podcast feeds. Um, we are on rumble now and we're on Twitter and truth and I hate both, but on Twitter, I'm, I'm starting to throw a little shade at people. So it's kind of fun. So if you guys see it, um, you know, yeah, it's kind of fun little deal on there. No one sees my posts though on Twitter. So it's, you know, it's kind of lonely, so if you go on there and find us, like like it or something, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> we've got six followers. We're moving up on there. So um, when we're doing that to get off Facebook, because Facebook has been shadow banning us a lot, and you know we post something and nothing happens. So, anyways, on Facebook you can find us obviously, but there's a ton of other areas. Make sure you download the podcast and share it. Leave a review. Dave will actually read your review on air. Verbatim. Hopefully it's a good review. <laughs> I'll read it no matter what. <laughs> it's true. And there is an actual when you if you sponsor us on Patreon, there is a spot there where it's like, I don't know, ten or fifteen dollars. We'll actually mention you on the show. Like, you know, Scott Brumback. 
he is a Patreon subscriber. Scott, thank you for supporting the show. So, um, let's see. And you already know Scott's a supporter of the show because he's been on the show. So, um, I think that's about it, guys, unless you got anything else. Suicide hotline number 988 Headstrong Project is getheadstrong.org. Yep. I'm going to D.C. on Sunday. So... I'm going on September 11th, so that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> so if you guys at home are listening, be sending some prayers for the Brown family as we are traveling. Um, and uh, we're going to, well, I'm going to represent the city of Yakima and going to go talk to some representatives and stuff. And then I'm actually just going to go see DC because I've never been there. So it'll be fun to kind of go check all that stuff out. But needless, please, prayers, traveling is not... Uh, it's been a little fun thing, and it's also on September 11th, so gets you a little like. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, but our next episode will be uh, when we get back. It'll be the following week after that, and um, I'm hoping to actually have county commissioner candidates on. Um, I'm trying to get right now. I've got Steve Saunders who is going to come on and talk with us, and then I'm trying to get Ladon Lindy on as well. So. Uh, that's that's the hope that we're gonna get those two guys on and then i'm not sure if i'm able to get amanda and angie gerard on yet um they have kind of a legal thing going on um so i'm not even sure if they can talk to each other so i haven't figured that one out yet so um (laughs) needless to say we're gonna see if we can get everybody on here um and going into election season in october and november so all right guys have a great one and we'll see you soon